I did it right. Yeah, well, it seemed to be going on the air. Yeah. And uh, it seems to be happening. And mom's watching, so we're all, it's good. We've got our audience. We're all we're all we're set. We're set. Yeah. Excellent. I'm organizing my desktop, you know, making sure yeah, everything's right. Do that. I'll clean my glasses. I'm going to pull up IMDb. You know, it's the stuff that you got to do. What this is is kind of like letting people in on the on, mechanics on of, uh, of behind the scenes on a show. Right. It's kind of what we would be doing. You know, we'd be we warming up, little chit-chat, little, you know, getting your getting your websites organized. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of things to do, clearly. So much to do. So much to do that sometimes I forget to do some of it. Sometimes you yeah. don't want to even record your own show. Yeah. So how was your week, buddy? Um, good. Good. Really busy. This is crunch time for me at school. Um, where I, where I teach and work part-time. So it's just been slamming and jamming on zoom and, uh, uh, and it's been a lot, but it's been fun. Okay. I'm tired. How about you? You, you, you have, you, uh, you saw somebody today, right? You were hanging out with, with well, I just had a great, I mean, I, I had a great time literally just 20 minutes ago. I was, I was finishing up, uh, being a guest on a podcast called the Kings of Khan which is um, my buddy Rob Benedict and, uh, and his friend Richard Spites. Um, they're, I know them both. They're both my friends. But I go back with Rob, as you know, forever. We were roommates in the 90s. And uh, Rob is on Supernatural. and was or was on He was the prophet on Supernatural. God. And uh, actually. <laughs> and um, and uh, I don't get to see Rob a lot because he lives on the, on the West Coast and we haven't. Uh, been in, in enough contact so he was like get on the show and so we just hung out for an hour and laughed and reminisced about ridiculous things that we used to do when we were young and crazy yes and it was really fun he's a great guy too i'll bet that i gotta listen to that because uh he's a great guy he did me a real solid once when my son atticus was a huge huge fan Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was. Oh, that's right. And when yeah. he found out that I knew through you, the prophet, mm -hmm. he freaked out. And uh, and Rob had lunch with us. He had a he sat down and had a burger. I remember. Rob's a he's just the best. He's yeah. he's the salt of the earth. Just a dear dear person. And uh, and you know, so we got to catch up on a show together and laugh, and that was really fun. Was there is there like a topic? What what's the topic of the podcast? Is it just well, there uh, Richard Spite, who he he co-hosts with, uh, Rich Rich is um a, an actor, but is also a director. He directs a lot of television. He directed a lot of Supernatural, and he's doing uh -huh. stuff now. He's been in Vancouver working. Um, both these cats work all the time. I mean, it's it's kind of horrifying. Really, is there somewhere I can like send them a bottle of scotch or something? Um, why do you have? Do you have scotch in mind? Well, I don't want anything. I'll send them some. Oh, I could send them some of my booze. That's what I mean. You know, you just said, like, could I send them some scotch? I'm like, well, you could maybe do one better than that. Better than scotch. I could send them some batch 22. Yeah. Speaking of which, do you have do you have news on on that? Oh, yeah. We've got uh, we've got a good looking. Uh, we've got some good looking stuff right now. Um, if I can remember how to, you know, work my equipment. Um, That's a I private matter for another show. <laughs> That's a medical show. This is there not. There we go. That's uh that's a prototype. It's not our final, our final. But uh, these are the samples we'll be uh, 
Johnny Apple seating across the country in a few weeks. That looks great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Matthew is now showing a picture of his, uh, his uh, packaged uh, bottle of batch 22. Now, is that a, is that a Photoshopped composite or is that an actual photograph That's of a real actual photograph of an actual bottle filled with actual batch 22? It's such a good photograph. It looks like it's just Photoshopped in by an advertising agency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, one of my partners, Mark, took that photograph, bought a light box mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, silhouetted it for us. So it's great. Yeah. We're good. So, um, but we have, before we talk about tonight's movie, do we, do we have a, do we still have bones to pick about last movie? I'm not. I haven't. I haven't been able to sleep very well since our last uh, discussion, because I think it goes deeper than just a movie, Matthew. I think it goes to a philosophical. It's a way of being. But you won me over. But you're just disappointed in me that I didn't see it. That that it took convincing. Well, I could win you over through logic, but I don't have your heart. <laughs> You'll have my heart if we sit down with a bottle of Batch 22 and watch yeah. that movie again. I will have <laughs> the time of my life because now that I – that's the kind of movie – I mean, I still think that that's the kind of movie you have to have experienced once and know so that you're, so that you're laughing at it as you watch it rather than just I, – I, Somehow you, I don't know because I – well, because I, I have, there are equivalent movies that I have seen without any preamble that I fall madly in love with because they're just so goddamn crazy. I mean, I, that that's part of what I love about movies, really, honestly, is finding those movies that are just so crazy, crazy bad, crazy bad that should have been better, and 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 that there's a part of me that's like really perverse, but it, but I feel like entertainment is entertainment right like if i'm yeah. if i'm engaging with the material and i'm and it's hitting me at a certain point i don't care if it was intended or not i think it's genius okay. and i want to applaud it just because it's you know because the other thing is like half the stuff that really good filmmakers do is accidental it's it just happens to be better yeah but i don't know i i there's just something about these movies that uh i i adore but, but I, I I do just have to say that when I first heard how much you loved that movie, this is a little bit how I felt. Dick, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what can I tell you? Well, you know what? It is an amazing segue here. Is well, that, the guy, that the guy, you know, who, who says that line? Yes, I had to do that. So good. Yeah. But we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get okay. to that later. That's not now. That's no, later. Because we we have a guest here, who can shed some a little more light on on last week's movie. So they decide they're they're actually here. They're actually here. Um, well, they're virtually here. No, uh, right. Yeah. We have a guest who will come in later and be able to shed some light on this week's movie. Um, but we do have somebody who can shed some light on, on last week's movie. That's really exciting. I, I can't even imagine how they're going to be able to do it, but I can't wait. Well, I want to introduce my friend, uh, an, an incredible actor, and my one-time husband, uh, Seth Barish. <laughs> Seth. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm good. Thank you. Good to see. Thank you for coming on and talking to us. This is great. Have you guys ever met? For sure. Yeah, I think we met we have. maybe through Marty Moran. Is that possible? It's totally possible. Or through Justin Barrett, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, who yeah. I also know, but yeah. I, I know we've we have run into each other before. Yeah. yeah. Um I can't imagine how this came to be. I, I, this is crazy. The, well, I saw, you know, that um I guess I guess Matthew posted a a, a meme or 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 some kind of a notice about the black hole episode that you did yeah and i texted him i said first off i was at the premiere of that film <laughs> sitting wow. directly behind ronald reagan wow which was and this was about it, it was about i was i think it was at uh my recollection is that it was at uh um Oh gosh, this is how long it's been since I I used to live in LA and I forgot what's the what's the name of the 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 place with the big towers in the middle of this not downtown, but it's something Century City. That's it, Century City. And I feel like that the premier might have been there. And uh, what happened is a friend of mine went to Cal Arts, and Cal Arts had done a lot of the animation for the film, and so they uh, they needed seat fillers, so. Uh, my friend said, hey, do you want to see the premiere of, of Black Hole? I was like, sure. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting literally directly behind Ronald Reagan. And I remember thinking, this was about, it was like six weeks before the election or, or so, and it was really clear he was probably going to be elected. And I was not a fan. Um, and I remember thinking, if I was a different kind of person, I literally could change history right now. Um, and I didn't. But that has nothing to do with what I wanted to talk to you about, because what I wanted to talk to you about had to do with Maximilian Schell. And I had the most crazy, I just have the most crazy Maximilian Schell story that I, I happily will tell anywhere. It's just, <laughs> well, bring it. I, I, I can't, I'm so excited. I, I Because this <laughs> performance blew my mind. This movie blew my mind. <laughs> and I've not been able, I saw it as a kid, saw it again this last week, and I can't stop thinking about it. I can't. There's, there's one moment in his performance that when he smacks his head, yeah, a couple of times, like just starts hitting his own head. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, oh my God. Please. Well, okay. So, first of all, I, I didn't know this about Max Michel, uh, but it, it I, I don't even know how to get into this. Other, than, I'll say this I directed a play uh, that. Uh, ran off Broadway in the mid '90s called "Old Wicked Songs," and we ended up doing uh, a, a you know, tour. And one of the stops was the Geffen Playhouse in Westwood. And at the time, the Geffen Playhouse was run by Gil Cates, who was uh, most known for being the director and producer of the Oscars every year. Did you guys know Gil Cates? Yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I did, but I mean, Gil was like my experience with Gil. He was like a really like kind of a match. He was just like a really nice guy, and you know, and and that that was my interaction with him. And L.A. being L.A. was when they produced a show. It was a different protocol. It was very sort of Hollywood protocol. They would they would like instead of just you know coming to the director and saying you know, um, hey, who do you want to be in it and stuff like that. It was more like, well, this is our list. Of and it was the list of you know 
celebrities that that you know were the first name is always Meryl Streep, and <laughs> uh, and so in this case the play was a two-hander, and one of the parts was for an, an old Austrian uh, piano player. And uh, he's going to uh, come into that audition. You know, he's coming because he was, he was on Gill's list. He was number one. He said, how do you feel about Maximilian Schell? And mm -hmm. I, said, I said, well, gee, he's he's uh, I, I don't I've never met him. And, and I guess he's, a, you know, an actor of quite some renown. And I'm sure, you know, seems like he should be in the running and considered. And and Gil said, yeah, well, we have to go meet him. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, yeah. Um, so let's let's we'll just we'll just go meet him at his house. Said, was oh. he considered? Was that note of concern in his voice at that time, or was that there was something a, you're saying there was, now? There was a little bit of awareness. It was like, yeah, I went <laughs> this, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> so we're driving there, and you know, he was driving me in his whatever he had a BMW or something, and we're you know he's driving up there, and he goes, uh, yeah. So I don't know Max really well, but. Uh, He's an interesting guy, I take it, but you know, we'll just see how this goes. <laughs> okay. So we get to this house up in one of the canyons, and we're just kind of going there, and the door opens and out walks Maximilian Shell. And you know, he was a significantly older man than I had remembered, but that seemed appropriate. And he just sort of walked out and he just kind of was looking sort of not at anybody, at just sort of kind of the ground, just kind of like he goes. I don't know, I don't know. It's coming. So, uh -oh. okay. so right. we, we go into his house and he goes, oh, I'll see it, I'll see it, I'll see it. And, and, and there's, he's got this like living room. And so we sit down in this living room. And in the living room are me and Gil Cates, Maximilian Schell, and two of his, I guess, his managers. And then there's also a housekeeper who's coming in. It's like Austrian tarts everywhere. Like they put up a, like this huge buffet and it's clearly like for us. And so we're like, you know, wow, this is wonderful. This is great. And, everything. Uh -huh. and so we're talking, we're talking, we're talking, you know, small talk, small talk, small talk. And about 10 minutes or so into it, he just kind of looks in, up in this sort of spacey way. And he's, he's not saying anything. And he just sort of gets up and walks out of the room. And so we're like going, okay, well, you know, and we just talk with the managers a little bit and uh, we wait for him to come back and he's not coming back. So we're sitting there, we're talking, we're talking. And about, oh, like 15 minutes later, uh, we start hearing this like music that come on and it's a, pian it's a piano concerto. And uh, he comes back in the room after about five minutes after that. And he's just sort of, again, looking sort of spacey and looking around and he says, um, yeah, you you uh, you like some music, and uh, I'm like, like yeah, like, yeah, it's perfectly. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's me, it's me, it's me, and and I I said, did you say it's you? And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. and he's a, like a concert pianist, like he's playing with an orchestra and everything. We're like, wow, and, and you know that's amazing. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're trying, Gil Cates is talking a lot and I'm, I'm not saying much at this point at all. And another 10 minutes goes by and he just starts, he just gets up and just walks out of the room again. And he's, he's, there's no, like all the things that are being said 
he's not responding to like Bill Gates is like blah 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 blah. Maximilian Schell is saying nothing. Does yeah. he like wander out of the room in like a mid sentence kind of thing? Yeah. Or is oh, okay, totally. great. Yeah, great. It's like it's like Brando eccentricity, right? Fantastic. And he's just like he just kind of walks out, and then he kind of comes in again about like five minutes later, and he's got a book in his hand. And he just sort of looks up at the ceiling and places this book on the coffee table <laughs> as if he hadn't done it. You know, but he just, it's like he's trying oh, to no. down, like, like I'm, just, I'm just, I'm not really here, you know. And so there's this book. And um, I I kind of look down at it and he goes, so, so I, I, I start looking at this book and it's a book about Maximilian Schell. What? Apparently, in Austria, he's huge. They oh. have a parade every year in his honor. Mm. Like, you know, and there's this, this like picture after picture of him doing these things. And there's this production of a show called Everyman they do there that has an audience size of 10,000 people, single audience. And there's this shot from like a, you know, like, I don't know, a helicopter or whatever. Like just all these people and this one guy, you know, like, you know, just standing there gesturing. Oh, wow. And uh, he, I, I go, is, is, is this you? And he goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it becomes clear. He just like every five, 10 minutes, he goes away, comes back and drops us a little <laughs> gift. And it's like, he's showing off. And, and we're like, okay. <laughs> he doesn't have to do any of it. So like because we're like wow that's amazing you know and it's like he does this he does that he does this and, and uh, wow now we're about we're about forty five minutes in maybe an hour in and he still hasn't said anything other than just dropping off these little kind of cat gifts and and you know, <laughs> saying his little thing and he, all of a sudden Gil says well anyway Max um, so you know why we're here and because I guess they had already talked schedule and everything. And he goes, he says, he goes, this is the first time he actually talks directly addressing the issue at hand, which is, does he want to do this play? And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I don't do a theater anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe Gates is like, um, gosh, I'm really confused because, you know, we've been talking schedule with everybody here for like three weeks and and you know he goes yeah yeah no i'm past it <laughs> <laughs> and so we're like you're, you're past it. he goes okay and so this is the, all of a sudden i take this as my cue so i said um i said oh i hear that gee i'm curious how come like and he goes yeah it's, it's uh it's uh See it as you know, it's a younger man's game, and I just, uh, I've, I've, I've outgrown it. And, uh, um, <laughs> so, and wow. Well, I guess, and then he leaves again. And so Gil Cates turns to his managers and goes, "Guys, can you just help me out? This is going awfully. I, is, is this horrible?" And they're they look over at us and they're like, "You're doing great." Oh my God, this is the farthest anyone's ever gotten. And so, <laughs> he sits there and he just comes back and like i i'm trying i'm saying like so uh you know did you enjoy the play and stuff like that and there's just not much coming back and like finally after an hour of just awkward nothing uh we kind of say well okay well we'll just uh 
thanks, thanks for all, all the time and everything. And the struggle. And then this right. And then we're walking out, and Maximilian so all of a sudden turns to me, grabs my hand with some force, and goes, I very much look forward to working with you. Wow. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm going, wow. This is so strange. And of course, oh. we never heard from them again. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so he just paraded, knowing full well he wasn't going to do theater not just your play but he just wasn't good to do theater but he's he couldn't it's so amazing what there's and i couldn't i mean i have to say i was stunned at when i say he was a concert level i'm a i'm a professional pianist he was a concert pianist i mean he was playing a piano concerto that there's no way in hell i could play and 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 uh amazing I was like, holy shit and i mean i had no idea that this guy was this big of a thing in his world right serious wow. in america it must be it must be difficult to be that level in your own country yeah and be in a country i mean he was fairly celebrated here but like not nothing remotely like what he had in austria it must be very hard to try to explain to people, you know, I'm really a big deal. And people say this, but I actually really am playing yeah. to 10,000 people. Like, yeah, that's crazy. And, and there's something like this weird mixture of pathetic, but also really endearing about him. You know, he mm -hmm. really wanted our approval, just like, you know, you're amazing. You know, yeah. he just kept saying, it's like, wow, you, you, you are amazing. <laughs> Well, the only thing I have to say to that is, mein Gott. Mein Gott. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, wow. That so, you... when I say I'm in the black hole, I think, uh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's that's pretty weird. That's a pretty uh, out there performance. How many oh. years after? How Black Hole was 79. So, when did you meet him? Uh, 97. Oh, okay. So, 15 to 18 years later. Yeah. I guess. And he... Do you, do you remember his performance in the black hole? Yeah, I remember just thinking the whole thing, you know, I, I didn't get to hear what all you guys thought of the film. I remember thinking this is one of those things where it feels like it's right on the edge of comically bad. Like, like things are so, I think it's, I think it shoots past that edge <laughs> in like a, in a evil Knievel launch off of the lip of the cliff. Yeah. I, I had to say that, <laughs> and I remember watching it, and going like that. I can't even imagine what was going on on that set. That's see, you've hit exactly why I'm obsessed with the movie, and why I'm obsessed with a certain kind of—I don't even want to call it terrible movie because I derive so much pleasure, like genuine pleasure, out of it. Not like in a ha ha ha, they made a crappy movie. But I mean, like, I, I, I have to interrupt for one second just because another guest just joined wow. us in the green room. And he may think when we're talking about this crappy movie that we're talking about his movie, and we're not. We're still talking about the movie we yeah. watched last week, which was right. Black Hole. We're we, doing a sci-fi run here. We haven't gotten to the good movie yet. So, I, But I didn't want him to come in in the middle of this conversation and hear crappy movie. They're yes. both great, great, wonderful yeah. movies in different ways. Yeah. Yes. Black Hole is wonderful, though. Seth, I really urge you to, to I urge you in in this time of uh national crisis to spend a couple hours watching this film it's available on amazon prime and i think yeah. i think you should do it yeah <laughs> especially now that marijuana is legal in new york you should really stock up 
enjoy and then watch the movie. I'm working on a black hole strain right now. <laughs> in fact, um, you know, it's really, it's really something. Do you enjoy, uh, well, we, somebody needs to come on. I don't, I'm going to sit here chatting away. Yeah. We could talk about the black hole again for another hour. We have something we have another, else another much better to discuss. Because um, we, we have an, another uh, movie that uh interestingly enough you know there's somebody who's who's been a guest on this show before and uh he's um he makes an appearance in this movie i speak of none other than jim murtaugh who shows up again in no that's 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 not jim murtaugh oh my god that's al barry but it looks like jim terrible I know. That's terrible. I, I shouldn't have done that. Jim but is Jim a very handsome, so handsome, healthy. That we've, he's been in so many of the movies we've talked about. That, Accidentally, it's true. He's yeah. He's in a lot of that period. We we cover a lot of like eighties, like early nineties movies, and uh, he shows up in those. The Howling. Um, what was it? The Howling and and Dave, right? Dave. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, Dave. I can't remember. I don't remember it. No, was it Dave? He played, no, it's in the paper. Where he, not the paper. Well, he played. I don't a, know. A, you can't cut this out of the show, unfortunately. You've already now. You've really done it. He's my dear friend who I love, and his work is great. I just can't. What show? When we wait a minute. Hold on. Sorry. He was a reporter in some some movie. He's great, and he's great in everything. And if all we talked about was the howling, that would have been that would have been that fine because that's yeah. great. But this week's movie, mm-hmm. the Last Starfighter. The Last Starfighter, nineteen eighty four. Have you seen the Last Starfighter, Seth? Oh yes, oh yes, I, I certainly did. I I have a I have a dear friend who played the role, the titular role, the titular role. Um. So you made, were you friends when uh, when uh, he made the film? Yeah, um, he'll remember better than I. But but uh, we were at uh, we went to UCLA together, and uh, it was you know uh, it was a it was certainly a big deal when we we all knew it's like you know oh my god Lance got this job it's incredible I mean he, you know Lance was working already a, a lot right because he was like twenty four or something when he made this I guess uh, uh, you know he'll have to. Well, we must be the, you know, I, no. I, I don't know. I don't know what year it was exactly. Well, maybe we can find out. We maybe can probably find out. We can find out. Yeah. All right. Should we, let's bring him on. He's yeah, in the green room. He probably has other things to do. He'd probably like to get this probably over with. other things to do. <laughs> dinner to make. Yeah. So here he is. Hey there. Hey, guys. Hi, Lance. Nice to meet you. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Of course. I'm sorry. I'm a little under the weather. I got a little, little COVID reaction. So had my oh. to the vaccine. To the vaccine, not the. Uh, good. Not well, that's, that's a good. That's a good reason to not feel so great. So yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. It's good. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> Lance, how old were you when when you did Last Starfighter? Well, we did it um, in '83. We shot it in '83. Can you hear me? Because I'm trying to be a little yeah. quiet. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. We uh, we shot it in '83. And uh, like springtime of 83, but it took such a long time to put it together that it wasn't out until uh, summer of, of 84. And actually, that's when I went to New York that first 
for six months of 1984. I, I basically, you know, half the time I slept on your floor. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that too. So, so we was a whole there was a whole lag of of time between us shooting it and the movie actually coming out. And I did a whole bunch of stuff, including I lived in New York for like six months, and uh, I just uh, were you doing it theater? Just, it came out and came and went. Uh, yeah, theater yeah, that's okay. The, Actually, you know what? I didn't do much theater in New York. That's what's funny. I kind of went out there to, to, to try to, because I didn't have any. I had good acting teachers in like high school, but when I got to college, it was like, I didn't think the teachers were any good. And so I thought, well, you got to go to New York to be a better actor. So I, that's what I did after after I shot that movie. I didn't want to like suck as an actor when it's like, okay, you're in this big movie. Now what else are you gonna do? But I got to tell you, you know, I, I watched that film and I, I love your performance in that film. Oh, thanks. And one of the things I really love about it, and, and this is before I, I, I knew that Seth knew you and before you were going to be, knew you were going to be coming on. I was writing down in my notes that what I love about it is you never oversell. There's never, you know, when all the crazy abduction stuff is going on you go to this emotional place that I feel like I would go if that was happening, which was like, just like, whoa, what the hell's go-? there's not like, <laughs> Hey, what? Oh, oh where yeah. is, you know, there's not all this bullshit that people do to show, Oh, I'm surprised and terrified. It's just a little bit of shock and awe and calm. And I, I loved it. Well, part of that is is in, it's actually in the script. I mean, th- there's clues in the script for that. But I just realized, you know, there's no reason to do, you know, a re- re- recap of Star Wars. This is a whole totally different movie, a totally different type of movie. So I thought, okay, what if, you know, what if this really happened to somebody? Like, so I was always trying to maintain the point of view is like, this is not really supposed to happen. You know, a lot of fantasy movies, they just go and they buy into the fantasy and that's it. Um, but I felt like there was a, I don't know, there was a value in kind of keeping that uh, tension of like, this doesn't, this, you know, don't, I, I, I just felt like it was funnier if it wasn't a fantasy. It was yeah, that, it's absolutely true, Lance. I got my, I got to say, I, I, I love your performance in this movie too. And um, it was actually, you know, it's funny because I saw it, I guess I was, you know, it came out in 84, you say. So I was uh, a junior in high school, but I was kind of young for being a junior. So I was, you know, 14, maybe 15 when I saw it. And um, your performance really made it in kind of a really a big impression on me at the time. And and I felt like, and I hadn't seen the movie in a while. And I felt like, for some reason, I felt like you were in 30, like, like 10 of these movies or that there was like a lot more to this world because of, because of uh, the fact that you took it seriously. And as a fan of the genre, when I was younger and I, I still am, I, I, I really appreciated how you delivered a, a, a realistic portrayal of somebody going through this that uh, I just, you didn't see very often. And um, so bravo well, on that. That was that's what I like. You know, it's like, that's what I like in other performers. So, you know, it's at that age though, it was like, no, it was good on you to, to recognize it and, and not just recognize it, but to really be able to do it. You know, I mean that, that, and that's your first, that was your first big role. Was that your first star? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did, 
I had a pretty big part in a horror movie, but that was like a slasher movie that I thought you Halloween know, too about acting. Yeah. Oh yeah, but, I love Halloween too. Love Halloween too. So yeah. you know, I, I was I, I sort of misjudged how much people would love that movie. Which movie? It's Halloween two. When I was at the premiere of Halloween two with Lance, and I I was I'm ter- I'm a scarewimp. I can't see any of that shit. And I was like, I don't know if you remember this, Lance. I was like. You got to tell me where all the. It's <laughs> <laughs> like in five seconds. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that. Is that where you met Nick Castle? Is that where that relation you? Well, met you know what's other? interesting about that? I didn't find this out until until watching the uh, special features made twenty years later on the film. Is that Nick is good friends with John Carpenter, right? And um, uh, he. Uh, he had just done Escape from New York right before we did Halloween 2. And Nick, had, of course, wrote Escape from New York. And uh, he uh, he was in the editing room with with John. And he and and he was John was a producer. He didn't direct it, but he produced right. it and he did some editing and stuff and a lot of the editing. Um, and uh, he 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 Nick was like, oh wait, who's that guy? Who's that like tall skinny guy? You know, because I looked really young when I was twenty. Whatever. When I was 21 years old, I looked really, really young. You know, I was playing basically my own age in mm. uh, Halloween too. But I looked, I look, I always played high school kids when I was mm. in my 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. You could still do that. Yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so so uh, Nick sort of saw me in that and saw me on the footage, and then I get a call coming in audition, and everybody auditioned for this movie, so. They, I think they were looking for a somewhat unknown. There were people in that group. Um, it was Anthony Edwards and uh, Eric Stoltz and a bunch of other people. But there was a final callback two months after the original callback, which I thought I had completely killed. I mean, I had completely, I thought, I, oh, I did really well, but I never heard from them. So I kind of thought right. it was over. But then they called back and was like, okay, now you're doing the part. And I, I mean, you know, and I, that's when I met Kathy and uh, I read with her and she, there was a couple other actresses. You know, it was the old it was the old ways where there was no nobody's on tape and nobody's you just go into this room with all these people and they go through the scene a bunch of times and and uh I, I have to say I just I liked the script because I liked the tone of I thought it was kind of smart and kind of funny and kind of it just had this weird because it didn't take itself quite so seriously, you could you could still keep one foot in in reality, you know. And yeah, I, I, I just I liked the John's writing style, you know, I mean, I just really liked a lot of the things that happened in it. It kind of reminded me of, I don't know if you guys <clears throat> know that, I'm sure you know this, you've studied this, but um, the in the early 80s, all those movies were a weird combination. They weren't, a lot of them were not serious science fiction movies. They were like tongue in cheek, goofball, you know, Earth Girls are easy kind of, you know, uh, goofy science fiction it wasn't like the andromeda strain or 2001 or whatever it was kind of uh yeah goofy stuff and then out of that came you know bill and ted and you know all these things but but there and and Ted decker and ethan wiley were actually they were the original guys that and this kind of reminded me of a ethan wiley script last starfighter reminded me kind of an ethan wiley script which um i just used to read his scripts all the time um so uh, um, he did House, and, and then Fred did like Monsters. Oh, House, House is great, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and just that that sensibility was sort of, um, uh, you know, that it was sort of 
Well, it's kind of in, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of inside, you know, it's like, yeah. it seems to be like for fans of it built by fans of it, you know, yeah. well, you know, we went to school with all these guys and, uh, and th that's a really good description. They were complete film geeks. Mm -hmm. yeah. they, um, a bunch of these writers that became like a lot of them became like some of the biggest writers in Hollywood. And, and uh, they, they were all members of the UCLA comedy club. I used to play piano for the comedy club. Right. And uh, and they would, uh, uh, they lived together in this house and they called themselves the Pad of Guys. And- uh, And O Guys. Pad O Guys, Pad O yeah, Guys. Yeah. And this is before they had the internet or anything. They actually uh, had a newsletter that was a printed newsletter that they somehow printed and it was a monthly kind of a thing, I think. That you know, what's up with the pad of guys? Kind of a yeah, thing. yeah. Um, and they had this whole <laughs> network where they would give each other work. In other words, you know, it was that typical kind of Hollywood mill where somebody would be hired as a writer, and then as the film was getting developed, they'd be let go, and they'd say, "Well, you know, my friend so and so," and the, and the people that were in this group, it was it was uh, Shane Black. Who, wow. who, you know, did all the Lethal Weapon Lethal series, Weapon, yeah. right? Marvels and, and uh, um, uh, Ed, didn't, Ed didn't live in the pad of guys, did he? He didn't live in the pad. He just knew those guys. Um, Ed, and Ed Solomon, who we also was part of that comedy club and everything. And he, he's- Ed, uh, Ed actually created the comedy club. Ed, Ed sort of oh. um, steamrolled the comedy club. He, he, that's, that's right. At age 18, you know, because Ed was the reason I went to UCLA. I went to high school with Ed. And uh, we just, you know, we just drove down. And he's like, you know what? I'm going out to UCLA. It's 400 miles away. I'm going out to UCLA this afternoon. You want to come? Uh, okay. So that's when I decided I was going to go to college. <laughs> but anyway, these all these all these writers that were getting each other work, they lived together, and they were complete film geeks. So they ended up writing a lot of these. I don't, I don't know. I would describe it as kind of like they all had like this kind of tongue-in-cheek, poking fun at filmmaking thing going on. Yeah. It was Greg Wyden was one of them. Greg Wyden and uh, 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 Greg Pruss and Ryan Rowe, yeah, and, yeah. Um, Robert Renault. Um, all these people, you know, very the varying degrees of like big dealness. Fred Fred made a lot of pretty good movies. Fred Fred had a pretty good run there for a while. Yeah. What's um, interesting though is that is that they may have come out of the comedy club and all of that, but this is classic hero's journey stuff too yeah in this film i mean almost following the the chart of the 12 steps of the hero's journey in it which is fascinating to me it, it truly is i mean if there's so many there it, it's such an homage to that form and to what spielberg and lucas had kind of created in a way but it doesn't rip it off it's like it kind of reminded me of a jj abrams movie in a way like that it was it was paying homage to this form that had been created before and it really truly loved it i mean the proof to me is like i mean i i this was a movie i could have watched if there was no star fighting in it if it was called dude who lives at the trailer park yeah <laughs> yeah and it was okay. about you and your girlfriend and just trying to get out of the town i would have watched that cast and that director do that movie for two hours so i mean that's and that's pretty remarkable for for a tongue-in-cheek kind of like yeah. teen designed sci-fi movie at that time it, it was really cool you know 
And you spent a lot of time there establishing it. It's a slow burn. Like you really get to know people and it's not, it's not ironic. That's actual affection for them, you know, which I was surprised at. Um, Also, I got to say what really uh, touched me too was, was the relationship with your little brother. Like that is a key thing about that movie. And he's so great too. And he has killer lines. Like he has some of the funniest lines in this thing. Who is um, who is the actor? His name's Chris Hebert. Chris Hebert. Hebert. H e b e r t, like Herbert, but without the first R. He's terrific in it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's actually two interesting tie-ins to another sci-fi uh, um, franchise uh, that when I was watching the film, one of the older actors, the grandmother, <laughs> looked. Uh, oh my goodness. Sorry. That's okay. The, the grandmother looked familiar to me. I kept thinking that old lady looks familiar to me. And she is one of the keepers of the zoo in the original pilot episode of Star Trek that became the cage episode. Yeah. She's uh, one, uh, one of the keepers of the, the people with the big. Yeah, she's one of the keepers oh, okay. of Christopher Pike Interesting. in that episode that got turned into episode two or three. Was she the one who got strangled? I'm not sure. Okay, because there was one where the, the like at the end he he in his act of defiance he he strangles this the one, one of, of the big headed like monsters and stuff like that. What? And I'm then, a- and then, Will Wheaton has a tiny part as as your your uh, brother's friend. Um, right. He ends up not having any lines; his lines got cut out. But Will Wheaton from Next Generation. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. People brought that up a lot, you know. And and I keep looking for him, and I never see him in the cut. <laughs> like huh. he's like him from the neck down or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe we see his. Feet. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. Yeah. Um. So and also wondering like. You worked with Joseph Sargent on yeah. Halloween 2, right? He did Halloween 2 or Jaws no, the Revenge? Jaws the Revenge. Okay. Lance. Yes. You were in you were in a trifecta of absolutely stunning pe- movies of this period. <laughs> uh, it doesn't even need to be said, but it, it should be it should be said. And and um so Joseph Sargent, I wonder if Joseph Sargent, who directed Star Trek, directed that episode of Star That's Trek. Right. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Joe did awesome. the first pilot. He he did the pilot of the like the 66, 67 of Star Trek? Of Star Trek. Yeah. So he directed, pilot, he directed pilot. the cage. Whatever he said he he said he directed the the pilot, the, the very first, you know, you know. I can uh, look that up right now. Yeah. You know, where, where Christopher Pike was the the captain and um Michael Barrett was was number one. That's right. Um, Major Barrett. Major Barrett, which they then had to recut into a, a episode two or three of the of the eventual series. Right, the Menagerie. Yeah, which was my favorite episode of all of Star Trek. Yeah, uh, it's pretty amazing. Star Trek: The Original Series, one episode. Well, according to IMDb, it was not that episode it was an episode and they're always right i'm to be is always correct Uh, where no man has gone before star trek uh what was this one called because if it was where no man has gone before that carbonite 
maneuver. maneuver. Corbin Knight maneuver. Seth, you're you are we're I in your wheelhouse right now. I am you are in my wheelhouse. Great. <laughs> wow. That's a good episode. Um, do you have them all on Blu-ray or do you watch them on no. Netflix? No. Uh, I I I watch them enough. I do never. I never need to watch them again. <laughs> have you you've seen them redigitized though? Yeah. I think I've seen an episode or two redigitized. Yeah. Because they're pretty stunning. I mean, they did a, I think an incredible job on on um, update on uh, on cleaning up the prints and making them 4K and they're they're beautiful. Wow. They're beautiful. Now, Lance, you have um. You have another project that went on for years and years and years that was a real labor of love for you, right? The um, uh, the uh, million dollar quartet. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't really a labor of love as much as it was a. It was something that I expected to. We expected to, to go on the road for like six months and go to you know Minneapolis and Chicago and Denver and you know Philadelphia and we expected to just kind of like take it on the road because it, it's so easy to travel it's the six there's eight people in the cast six musicians the musicians are the orchestra right you know, their own instruments and um i played johnny cash and it was just That's like show, right i like the cheap you know the cheap sort of like if you saw the movie walk the line you know there's like hired you know jump in the car and the whole guys you know drive all night and go to the next gig and right we i kind of expected to sort of do that but instead, we sh we did a we did a sit down in Chicago that lasted seven years. I was only in a year and a half of it, but we did it. But we did a sit down in Chicago, and then we um, <laughs> it was very strange. We 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 went up to New York to do the 2009 Grammys. They needed somebody to play during the commercial breaks. They used to have some guys come on and you know say some stuff and talk about their theater company or you know. Paul Newman talking about the, his company in Ohio and all that stuff. And they just wheeled us out and we just, you know, did a little whole lot of shaking going on and, you know, whatever. Blue suede the, you said the Grammys was a Tony's, yeah? I'm Tony's, right, the Tony's, right, yeah. sorry. Um, so so it was very strange. We were like, mm, okay, we'll, we'll go do that, you know? And then, and then some producer was like, why are you guys not in New York? And I was, we were like, well, <laughs> I don't know. What have you got in mind? Right, right. So, then we we uh, we got a, a gig like that that following fall. Well, you guys were amazing. Oh, I, I watched the I, right. I, there's a clip. There's a great clip of of y'all um, on Letterman. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's just you guys are burning it up. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, it's, I gotta it see was this. Really fun. It was really fun. You played John. You played Johnny Cash in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was 50 and I played Johnny Cash at 23. So luckily John looked pretty worn at, at 23. <laughs> it's true. Um, he did have some mileage there under his belt. Yeah. But yeah, it, was, it was a great, great guitar player. And, and uh, we played a lot of music over the years. Lance, have, yeah, you, been yeah. in, have, have you been in bands and stuff like other bands <laughs> throughout your life? Or? I have actually, and I did not expect to be in, in any bands. I've always liked you know, I've always liked to be the idea of being in a band, but I was always a better actor than I was a musician. And um, but then I was also in this band. I was in the Foreman. Remember the Foreman? Kenny Rhodes and Roy Zimmerman and those guys. Yeah. Andy Corwin, and Doug. Um, I was in a like a folk spoof folk. of a folk group. 
yeah, it's like a spoof of, okay. a, of, a, of a sort of folk revival. But we did all this like hardcore left wing satire, but all like in purple ties and suits and goofy. You know? <laughs> and it's just pretty funny. I mean, it was it was it was kind of meta. It was kind of like the you had to sort of figure out the joke, and once you got the joke, it's it's all pretty funny. Um, but I played guitar and banjo in that in that band. Um, that was in the early late late nineteen hundreds. <laughs> in the late nineteen. 19- <laughs> um late 1900s yes yeah, there you go well I posted, yes. that, I posted the link to that letterman clip in the chat and i'll post it in the uh in the comment to the to youtube and uh in the and the description on when we drop this as a podcast so that people can go watch that clip because it's really oh, great it's really something I, it I was so good and dave was super nice to us he was just like he was like so happy that we were there and he was very complimentary and you know it was it was really fun you know he he was all he was kind of like this is really fun yeah you can tell they're having a good time because paul comes over and starts fanning jerry lee lewis <laughs> fanning him to cool him off it's if pretty- he's interacting with them then it's going well for sure yeah. and like yeah. yeah you caught dave on a good day too yeah because tony yeah tony i did that on, show a bunch tony of times on some and bad days that ain't no fun when he's not having a good time yeah <laughs> Is funny. I mean, we we that the the actual length of that play, we the first hmm, the first rehearsal I think was in two thousand four, um, and so we had been workshopping it for two years before we did it in Seattle, and then we did it in no, we did it in uh, Daytona Beach, and then we did it in Seattle, and then the next year we did it in Chicago, and then we just went from there. Well, where did you it do was it? all in all? It was almost a, it was like an eight year commitment, and other people stayed with the show, and there was like four tours and everything and I, I didn't do the tours because I, I had a like a you know eight-year-old son and I didn't want to be like totally if I was 25 years old I'd be like sign me up for the tour you, you know you didn't right. want to be like Johnny Cash I don't want to be like Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I have to ask a question of the two your old friends and I know Seth said you you know you went to some screenings of movies that Lance was in and I'm sure you both saw each other's stuff but I want to know uh, after the screening of the last starfighter did you go to the opening and did you go to a diner late afterwards and what did you say to each other after seeing the film I don't think that I was at the premiere of last starfighter yeah because you were in New York okay yeah yeah, you were in New York. I was in New Mexico, actually. I, I lied about not getting any acting work in, in New York. I got I got a regional play of this this play in uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I was I was doing a play when the movie came out, when the premiere happened and when the movie came out. So I would get on a plane in Albuquerque and I'd fly out for 18 hours. I'd go to the premiere and I'd get up at five o'clock in the morning because I had to be back for wow. rehearsal. Wow. And they wow. wouldn't like cut me a break, you know, and what, say, what, hey, was, you know, what was the play you were doing? Very, very uh, ridiculous play. It was called Ducks in a Row, and it was about a Depression-era Texas family. Oklahoma family, Oklahoma family. But that's where I met That's where I met Don Meredith, and when I ultimately met Roger Miller, which was my favorite my favorite uh, celebrity uh, experiences, jamming with Roger Miller. Wow. Uh, King of the Road. King that, of the Road, yeah. He's, yeah. He's oh, okay. Wow. So, but so, so what did you think of the movie when you saw it for the first time, Lance? How, when it came how, out, how... Um, I sadly had had seen a rough cut um, when I did all my ADR and so much was missing. It was all in black and white. There was no sound. There was no music. And there all the this was way before the effects were ready. So they would just cut to effects here 
and you right. see a blank screen, it would say effects here. So I just, you know, I was one of those people that had to have every single moment be true. You know, I was just a maniac about that. And um, I maybe was a little too serious about it, but I, I, I really wanted to make sure that it was really the best it could be. And um, I was, I'll tell you the truth, I was a little concerned that they, they didn't see the movie the way you guys did. They saw the movie as sort of a generic sort of cereal box, um, you know, uh, you know, space, you know, space mm. invader. When you say they, that you're talking about the studio or the actual yeah, the, the people? The guys that, 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 yeah, the guys that didn't know how to market it because there's gotcha. been nothing anything like this. And Star Wars was marketed in such a unique way. Star Wars, they, all the, they went to conventions and just got the buzz going. And Star Wars was marketed by the fact that everybody everybody just all these people knew about it before it came out and mm. they were like packing the lines so people were like why is everybody in line for star wars we better get in line too you know and that's that's right. what happened so right. they didn't really know they didn't have that kind of out of the box um promotion they just were like well what do we do it's it's sort of like a comic book and it's sort of like a you know a you know yeah. kind of a, did industrial light magic do your uh, special effects the same people. No, it was called Digital Productions. It was up in San Jose, which is funny because okay. that's where I'm from. I'm from Saratoga, and uh, it's it was uh, this. It, I mean, if you see the the special features, they go into it, but it's it was basically a brand new technology that no one had ever done before. They they did a little bit of it in Tron, but they didn't do 3D stuff. So this was the first time we'd ever done real 3D special effects, and they had to sort of take a chance on this little movie that had no real big stars in it other than Preston. And they, and they totally had to roll the dice, you know, that the producers had fucking balls of steel, you know, they, they totally had to roll, roll the dice and hope that this was going to work because, you know, computer generated imagery was not um, that developed at all. Right. It was not, it was way, even after we did our movie, it wasn't, it was another six or seven years before they they really applied it. It was really um, cost effective to apply it to um, other other movies. You know, they were still doing models and everything. You know, like like the great the great Jaws: The Revenge special effects as we all know right. would have benefited greatly yes. from, from CGI. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so so it was kind of premature. So in two, you know, like John was sort of prescient, the director, the the writer. In, in two different ways. He was prescient in, in sort of understanding the video game. I want to be a hero, so I'm going to play a video game. And the um, special effects. Yeah. The digital special effects. Because, you know, ILM, they were all doing models. You know, those guys yeah, were sure. models. All the Star sure. Wars were doing, you know, as far as I well, knew. Well, I, I was models. a big fan, you know, I was a genre fan back then as well. And and um, it was notable. I remember walking out of the theater being like, what the hell? This is a completely new thing. It was really yeah. pretty mind-blowing. And it's weird that, you know, it's unfortunate, I think, that, that really like that uh, James Cameron gets the credit for like, putting the first cgi and stuff when it was clear. there was a, so much of it in the movie too there's yeah. a lot of it in last starfighter i mean it wasn't like they just had a few shots that they they pulled together i mean it, it, it has, oh go ahead it, 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 it you look at it now and cgi has come so far so much further it's it does look like an animatic sometimes of like 
a test run of what the effects could be. Yeah. But back then, when in the theater, it was really cool looking. It yeah, really we've worked. never seen anything like that before. It, it was. The, I mean, this is how much on the forefront. Uh, this is this story is kind of semi-apocryphal. So, Lance, I hope it's okay if I bring it up. But it's semi-apocryphal. Um, Lance, and actually, I have a question before I even get into this. I noticed I was we were talking. I was just in my head going through all the films you did, and I feel like costumers co must have costumed around you because you had such a specific thing you always wore. In 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 real life, Lance wore blue jeans, but not only that, the, he wore like the same pair of blue jeans that when they'd get a tear, he'd put a patch on. And then if it tore around the patch, they'd put another patch on. And so by the time, I, as years went by, he just was like all patch, you know? Um, but your look was kind of like, I, I feel like your look in, in life was blue jeans and a kind of plaid shirt, right? Uh, yes, that is kind of what I wore from the time I was a bike in high school to, I don't know, most of my life. <laughs> and it feels like, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, Last Starfighter and Lou Grant and like all these that that was they just costumed you that way. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that I mean, this may come as a surprise, but like I used to be um, when I did plays in high school, I used to be totally obsessed with the costumes. Like, I mean, not like Corky, whatever Corky St. Clair, but like, but like <laughs> I was just like I had like I got a great idea for this, you know. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do this. And I got some shit at home, you know. I used to buy like. I used to go to the thrift store and buy like ruffled tuxedo shirts for like four bucks. And I used to make stuff and I used to always have these things when I was in high school and I was like Joe costume, you know? So often people would just use stuff that I had for, for plays. Like Dave used my Levi jacket for a play that we did. And, you know, it was just like, I just was like, no, no, you gotta be in that. Nope. <laughs> so. And then it just became your, you know, this is, you rented your clothes to the studio. I mean, it was that you were the first yeah. guy to do well, it. They, they, they bought them, you know, they bought them, but I did end up getting them because they didn't fit anybody else. I weighed like, I wore like 30 forties. I wore 30 waist and 40 length. Wow. Cause I was a skinny. How tall, how, how tall are you? I'm only, uh, well, I'm six, two now, but I used to be six, three. Okay. But when I was younger, I was like literally all legs. And so wow. that's why like Preston's like five, nine. And so there's this picture of me with my, legs like about four feet yeah. apart yeah and i'm standing there you know looking at him very you know very very and i have this ridiculous stance and it's because they couldn't get me in frame wow. you know because uh -huh. i was so much taller than everybody else and it didn't matter that if i was like to say taller than kathy you know but right but they didn't want me to be like that much taller than than centauri so <laughs> So the, the the set photographer, and I wish I still had this picture because then I, I could have shown that to you. Um, the guy actually took a still of me doing that. Like well, I would, wasn't I would, into the fact that. I wear 30, but, 40s too, but the other way around. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's funny. Well, now I'm like 36, 36. So, you know, well, my son is the, in that in that uh, realm now. But where anyway, so. with these with this jeans thing is oh, that. Yeah. They're, so for the special effects, they use, what's it called, a chroma key? Is that what that thing's called? The thing that... I Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically they told me ahead of time that they would give me, um, they, they started showing me all these things. Well, here's going to be your costume. And I'd be like orange cords and like a green polo shirt, you know? And I was like, 
this guy lives up in the mountains in the you know in the trailer park i mean he probably wears like a work shirt and blue jeans and like boots and stuff wouldn't do that i mean so i finally they said no no we can't do that because you can't wear blue and i wear blue so so i was like that's that's my thing you know i wear blue so so i was like wait why why don't i wear blue they said because we're doing it against blue screen we're doing all the effect stuff and blue screen and everything that is blue is going to be that color and i was like huh well that's no good and so I talked to Nick. I still just kind of, you know, I think I sort of wheeled and dealed. And I talked to Nick and I said, hey, Nick, they tell me I can't wear blue blue jeans. Don't you think? He's like, yeah, yeah, you should totally wear blue jeans. I, he didn't, I don't know if he knew that that's what they were doing. So in the, in the, in the final, one of the final scenes, I actually wasn't wearing, wasn't wearing blue in that scene. But they had, they, uh, I was carrying a blue, it was a continuity thing. And I was carrying a blue bunch of, I was, I was in my like uniform and I was carrying like a blue my blue jeans what my shirt so it would have been weird so all the guys come up you know all the you know the all the special effects guys these are like the biggest guys in the, in the business you know john whitney ron cobb and all these guys and uh and they're and they're like oh god we can, we're, we're up against it here we gotta you know we gotta shoot we, can, we can't shoot this it's not blue screen it's, it's it's we can't use blue screen and one of the lighting guys in the corner he's sort of sitting there he's like manning his lights and he just kind of chimes up he goes well, it's just a gel. You could just change the gel, you know, because the screen was a projection. The screen right. was like a psych. So he's like, well, just change the gel, make it whatever color you want. I'm like, ah, there you see. Right. And he goes, and I go, what? Let's do something that like nobody wear. Like nobody wears chartreuse, you know, unless they're being ironic. Nobody wears chartreuse, you know. Right. So, okay, next thing you know, they put up this green screen, you know, and it's like, okay, great. We ready to go? Okay, rock and roll. They say, yeah, we'll just, we'll just dial out green instead. And, and, uh, and I sort of thought they would just do that. They would do it orange, they would do yellow, they would do whatever color that it was appropriate, you know. So turns out, so I, I did that, totally forgot about it. 20 years later, I'm doing a I'm doing a, a movie in uh, Australia. It was like a Disney Channel movie where I played a goofy alien or something. And I came to the set early and it was weird. It was the only time that I had, I was sort of not invited. I don't know if I was not invited, but I, I just wasn't required, but I got there early. And I was looking and there's this big, huge green screen. And these guys were hanging this guy from something and he was doing something. And I was and I go to the director, I go, mm, how long have they been doing green screen? And he goes, oh, since like the mid eighties, you know, it's been, they've been doing it all the time. Wow. Oh, did he freeze up? Uh, Lance yeah. froze. Turns out, oh, it turns out back. There he is. you're back. You're back. So um, you back in, you I actually did some research cause I didn't want to be a douchebag, but, um, and I think they, in the early years of doing that, like with the Errol Flynn movies back in the late 40s and early 50s and stuff, they would do color and they would have, you know, oceans in the background. And they, they experimented with all different kinds of colors. It's just they stuck with blue because it was better for the, you know, the contrast to your skin if you're uh, a white person. I'm, yeah. That's interesting because there's so many like movie stars are famous for their blue eyes. I wonder if that, that ever got in the way. I guess uh, it wasn't really That's close up some people most of the time, but yeah. The whole point of this uh, this this type of technology was that they could go in, like they could be in close on my eyes and pull back, and they could they could start close and pull out of the out of the spaceship. So that was something they were like, "Wow, we can do that!" It never ended up making it into the film, but 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 that was kind of what they wanted to do because everything was artificial, right? You know? Right. So that's my story. I have, I have, I have to just say, this film is also responsible for bringing a phrase into my life that has never ever left, and that is "what the shit." <laughs> what the shit is? I remember laughing so hard when I heard that as a kid; it just blew my mind, and then it's been a staple ever since. So it's so. 
like how PG working, was how well, was PG they had to you know yeah. I'm sorry what how was it working with Robert Preston well I, you know he was t totally like I, I, you know I think he was only 66 at the time but I thought that was like really old mm -hmm. because he was you know he was so famous when I was a really right. kid, when I was not even born he was really only 66 but I was concerned that he, you know, I didn't want to like wake him up. We used to shoot from five at, in, at night to like five in the morning. Right. And often I'd have to like, you want to rehearse, Bob? You know, and I I was trying to get him to rehearse because <laughs> we, had, we got like two takes. And so oh, if, they didn't, wow. if we if we didn't get it, they just move on. Whoa. Uh, and so uh, the, it, because the uh, special effects ate up so much of the budget, of course. they had to bang through all the acting really really quickly and i had done a lot of tv but i was kind of looking forward to like wow i'm gonna be like you know robert de niro and martin scorsese or to take 157 you know now oh, bobby this is what i want you to do you know it's yeah like, well you know like, i mean amazing though because the that's a really really lovely actual ensemble work in that trailer community and the fact that y'all only had like two takes yeah. everybody was really great you know it wasn't forced it didn't feel like that forced thing that you feel were like stagey and stuff it felt like a real community um i mean it was they were really good people most of the people were really good good people and it, it comes from the top you know nick and john are both really good good people and uh and gary and uh you know some of gary's family was on his brother was on it and his dad and stuff and it just it they were they were they were nice nice people you know there was no weirdness because i don't know they just they just hollywood hollywood film crews are often made up of not so much uh art students or film students they're just made up of guys who guys and girls who you know their dad did you know their dad did crew work in you know, in the fifties and then their dad did crew work in the thirties and, you know, they just live out in the Valley and they just, they have these kind of, you know, kind of normal lives. Mm, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. On the, on the other hand, I did, I did work on a movie in Canada where everybody was a film student and that was really fun because everybody was so, you know, right. Interesting. Nobody knew what to do. <laughs> they were running around <laughs> like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah um, I mean, we wanted that. We wanted, we wanted it to be very, you know, wholesome and very, you know, did, did I was listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen back then, you know, <laughs> but I'm still curious, like what you thought of the movie, both of you, like when it came out. So like that you, did you, did you go to the theater Seth and see it and then yeah, call yeah. him up or, or, or did you talk about it? Did you, did you agree on it? Did you feel like, Oh, we, they really captured this. I mean, I, how I, do mean you... I don't, you know, I think our nature, my recollection, I mean, Lance, maybe you remember it differently, but I kind of feel like whatever, we just love each other. And, and so I, I find that we're very supportive of anything. Um, when I, when I saw Lance do the million dollar quartet, I mean, this is no exaggeration, but I just, I wept through the entire thing. <laughs> I, I did because I just thought he's doing it. He's like, you know, Lance, is, I've been playing guitar with, we're watching Lance play guitar, I play piano. And uh, we've been hanging out for so long. And then all of a sudden he's up there doing his thing. And, and I'm, you know, it's to me, it's like watching, you know, my friend live a dream. Um, and so, and that was, a, I think that was, that was, that was like, you, you're totally a Broadway debut for you, right? Yeah, that's, that's totally, I've never, I didn't, and we didn't expect to go. We, it was a, quite a surprise that we even, 
did it, but it was very commercial. And so, and we had a really good time. It was very different than any other play that I've ever done. And it was frustrating because there was a lot of sort of things that I was kind of used to people caring about, like of the script and of, you know, things not being cheesy and stuff, but it was so much fun. And, and I kept trying, I, all my like hardcore actor friends, I was like, I'm sorry, it wasn't, it was kind of like, and they were like, fuck you. And they were like, we had a good time. It was like, shut up. So I'm yeah. like, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever remember though, going to anything that each of, either of us did and kind of bitching about it in, you know, behind the scenes. Matthew, we have to take lessons from them and their relationship. This is yeah. sad. <laughs> it's a supportive people on. here. I don't know how to relate to that, but yeah, that's our great. Families, our family's more I'm like, I'm glad you're what happy you for each that? other. That's lovely. Our family's what is, more what like, are you what talking about? You, what, what were you doing up there? What were you doing? What were you thinking up there? No, do you really do that with each other? No. No, but we're no, not. We, we don't cry at each other's performances. That's for sure. <laughs> I have never cried at Matthew's work, and I don't think Matthew's ever cried at at at. at uh, well, he's probably cried, but not out of joy. <laughs> oh well, I actually uh, I love Tony's work. I think he's a really, really underrated actor. <laughs> 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 ah, I love it. What, did, love what was it. your favorite thing? What was the favorite thing you ever did? Me? Favorite thing that I ever did? You were talking about it. You were talking about Anthony. You, you. Uh, my favorite thing that I ever did. Uh, two things: the whale. I did a production of of the play The Whale. Uh, at South the West Coast premiere of that, where I played a six hundred pound man, and. Uh, that was, you know, two hours of makeup before the show every night. And it was wow. pretty amazing. And uh, Dinner with Friends in New York was the other, my other favorite thing that I got. Let's Wait, do you know my friend forget. Megan Holloway? I have the best Megan Holloway story. Yeah, Megan, Megan okay. came, you know the story, right? She, Megan is the reason I was in Million Dollar Quartet. Okay, there you go. Yeah, Megan <laughs> and I met at 7 30 one evening when she was going on to play my wife at eight and uh it was uh and she did an amazing job it was her yeah, new so debut we'd never met she'd done a she was understanding a completely different production of the play and uh tony what was your favorite theatrical experience of my own of my own ex of yeah my own? of your own no, what was your favorite of my work? That's what I thought you were asking. That would have been the appropriate question. But um, about me. What do you think of my career? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I never really thought of that. Um, the, I guess Waverly Gallery is probably the thing that comes to mind that's like, you know. I um, didn't get to see that, too. My wife saw it and just loved it. So and it's, it's a great play. It's a really it's special great. experience and, and, uh, and uh, a a big play for me personally, just like, just to, you know, uh, at the, at that time in my career and, um, yeah, getting to know Kenny Lonergan, it, the whole thing was really, was really cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it was an, like an honor to like to be up there, um, 
doing material that was just making people weep every night like every night people were just completely devastated by this play mm -hmm. to know that you were doing something that just had that much power it's that hit people in the gut that much is really something you know yeah. oh no, it's nice when you know you're really hurting the audience yes <laughs> uh, yes how about you seth what about you well margo at the wedding absolutely no, oh, <laughs> that's that's where. What? That's that's where I, I thought that was a perfectly fine film. It was a perfectly yeah. fine film, but but that was where where Matt and I met. And in fact, we I think we only that was just one day of shooting, right? I don't remember one one, one miserable night. <laughs> and then um and then we took the uh a bus ride home together and yeah, uh, just kind of immediately we're like. What the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah, we were, we, you know, we got on well, and uh, but no, I don't know. My favorite, I have no idea. I mean, I've been, I've, uh, I, I feel like I've, I've done so many different things. I, I work both as director and actor and musician and all these kinds of. Let's things. Let's just keep it to acting because I we can't compete with you, man. There's no, <laughs> you do too much. No, you just, you, well, wait a minute. I think you do a lot. I, I, from what I can gather, but I don't have any success at those things. That's, <laughs> so let's just keep it to let's just keep well, it Seth, to you. you. Really, what's so great about Seth is that he had a vision and he he really did it. You know, he yeah he had a vision from back in I don't know eighty six, and you just did it. It was tough. It was hard, and it was a lot of work. You talking yeah. about the theater company? Yeah, yeah. We so I started a theater company called the Barrow Group, which Lance named actually. Really? Uh, uh, we were trying to come up with a name and everybody, it was a resident ensemble when we first started of 10 actors and every name we came up with, everybody hated. And we had to like come up with a name to incorporate and Lance happened to be just sitting in at a meeting because he knew a bunch of us. And he goes, well, they have the Wooster group and you live on Barrow Street. Why don't you call it the Barrow group? And we're like, okay. I may be giving you a call because we've got this booze that we're starting to market. And uh, if we lose our, if we don't get our trademark on our name, we're going to go back into hell again, trying to come up with a new name for the booze. So, so it's not, wait, is this the batch 22? Batch 22, but we're waiting, we're waiting to hear from the, the, trademark office whether or not we have that name oh yeah what kind of what kind of booze is it it's a it's a grain neutral spirit infused with our own proprietary blend of herbs spices and botanicals i think that should be the title that really long thing you just that really long <laughs> that's thing. it yeah and it's you can uh, charge a lot if you name it a really long give name. it a long name but it's uh it's great to sip uh, and it's also amazing in in a lot of different uh, cocktails. That's cool. It's, it's quite good. I recommend it highly. Oh, wow, Look I've gone that. through it. Yeah, you're there going you go. through it. Well, every time we do a show, I gotta tell. I have to take like a couple of belts just to get through <laughs> this, man. What are you talking? Through this damn evening. So nervous. <laughs> Let, Jesus. Let's have, have one other story that we really should tell. Well, I'll try to tell a fast version of our landscape. Because I mean, in the context of doing great, great, um, great work. I can't leave this show out. Okay. <laughs> Let's wrap up with this. So, <laughs> um, so we did a play at the Bear Group called The Weather Outside, and Lance was brought out. He, he happened to, you know, there was a part that was he was perfect for, and so, you know, he played the lead role in this thing. And uh, they 
at the time we were, you know, we were looking for publicity, you know, just to get anything. And because Lance had done Last Starfighter, um, there was interest. And so for some reason, a, um, a, a public access show was interested in doing publicity. And so, and, and, and at the time, you know, so, so we got this, we were supposed to meet at this address. So we just showed up at this address. And I don't know how you remember Lance. My recollection is it was like a, it was like an abandoned auto parking lot or something like that. Is, does that? Well, it was inside, but um, ultimately you know, yeah. the studio was inside, but yeah, it was just this bunker. You know, and, and so we go down, we go down this bunker and then there's like this kind of like a little mini studio there with all these people waiting and we're waiting and the person who runs it. I don't remember the name. Of, do you remember the name of the show? New York, New York, right? Might, it might have been or or it's you'll have to tell the, the song, the song, <laughs> the song gives it away. <laughs> it's New York or something like that. Yeah, it's like it's it's New York. And, and, and it was this. So. They came and they said that the lady who, who was the host of the show, they said, you know, she, she comes at the very end and at the last minute. So don't worry, just sit and wait. So we're just sitting there and waiting. And in the waiting room are me and Lance and this guy named Irving Fields, who was a pianist, who, who I guess, I don't know, he played, I think he maybe played for Ivana Trump even. It was like some kind of a, you know, it was some kind of thing like that. And then there was um, these other these other two women and we didn't, you know, get to know what they did, but we all waited. And just at what, if the show is supposed to go at like, you know, four, it's now like 410, 415, 420. And this guy Irving Fields goes, I can't wait. I have to go. And they go, they're like, wait, no, Mr. Fields, please wait, wait, wait. And he goes, I'm sorry. I just have to go. And he leaves. And then this woman kind of scoots in and she looks kind of like a bag lady. I mean, she's just like, you know, like this bag lady comes in, Jet black dyed hair, and you know, lady, totally disappears, comes back in, and they they give us instructions. They they're putting us in the room. They're wiring everybody up. They set us in this kind of horseshoe. So there's um a, a, there's this one woman, and she's from the National Blood Bank, and then there's this other woman from a from a, a theater company called Three Dollar Bill, which specializes in gay and lesbian. Uh, uh, I don't know if they still exist, but they specialized in gay lesbian theater. And then there was me, uh, you know, representing the Barrow Group and, and Lance, who, you know, they thought was a big coup that Lance was on their show, right? And so they said, just go sit there and she's gonna come in and she's gonna do the show. And we have no idea what we're in for. It's like a talk show for public access TV. So we're just kind of sitting there. And she kind of whisks in and she starts to sing the opening number. And the opening number is they play the music of the soundtrack with her voice on it already. And then she sings on top of it. And it's this weird kind of music. I can't remember the song, but it was something like, you know, it's New York, it's New York. It's <laughs> wow. <laughs> and keep going, keep going. We were sitting here watching this thinking like, this is really funny. This is like so off the wall, weird. This is funny. So she starts in with her show and what her show is, is she sort of free associates with the guests and to somehow connect them to each other through her own logic that is her own weird logic. And 
she starts and the first guess is this woman from the from the national blood bank there had been this horrible crash in long island and so this woman had come on to asking for blood you know for people to come and donate blood and so she's like my first guest is so-and-so from the national blood bank and what do you have to tell us and and so she says well we're we're um we're you know, we had this horrible plane crash and we really need blood. So anybody, if you can come and donate, it would be really helpful. And she goes, okay. And um, and she goes, our next guest is from $3 Bill, a gay and lesbian theater company. And speaking of blood, <laughs> how do you make sure that the people in your family... And she starts talking about this whole thing about AIDS. And the... It was 1989. It's nice you know, and the, oh no, my and God. Woman, the woman from the gay and lesbian theater company just starts this slow burn. Oh my God. Oh no, my God. Anything. She just sits there and goes, <laughs> just, and she's going, because this many, and she goes back back to the lady. She goes, in the, in the national blood bank, how do you screen for healthy blood in the way of all the diseases that are out there? And it's like, oh, my God, I can't even believe this. Oh, man. And then she comes to me, and she has nothing to say to me. I, you know, she doesn't know who the fuck I am. So she goes, um, and then we have, and she looks at this card, see the battery group. And and and, and, and I said, yeah, it's a theater company. And she goes, oh, yeah. And speaking of theater companies, and she turns to Lance, and Lance beforehand had said, you know, really, I don't, I don't want to be in on this if like you're going to make a big deal out of like my movie career. Like, you know, I really want to this, this. I'm trying to give attention to the company and all this stuff. Like, don't you know? And she goes, she so she goes, and then we have right next to us, Mr. Lance. Guess. <laughs> The last stop. <laughs> she starts like flopping over him like this, and Lance is kind of like, "Yeah, I, I kind of like you know, like he's trying, he's trying to get attention off of this thing." <clears throat> and she, um, she sort of like gets to the next beat, and the next beat was, "Well, I was going to do a song with Mr. Irving Fields, but he had an appointment with Ms. Ivana Trump, and." Um, I guess I'll sing it a cappella, but if everybody on the panel can sing along, and we're like you can feel the four of us quietly making this like vow, we are not moving a muscle. We're not going to sing a damn thing. Oh my god! Wow. Starts singing, insanely slowly. When you're smiling, when you're smiling. What is going on? <laughs> and she does the whole thing. And she gets to the part and, and she's like, come on. And like none of us are like saying anything. And then she gets to the part that was the instrumental. But there's no pianist. And so she just goes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And at this point, we're thinking, this is so funny. But we gotta not laugh. We're just gonna like look at the floor and everybody's being really respectful. And she kind of winds up and the and she goes, she starts to close out her show. And she's like, Well, thanks to it's New York, New York. And the producer of the show is behind the camera going like 
<laughs> and she gets in like she's got five more minutes she doesn't know what to do i guess so she just starts the show over no stop it she doesn't do that oh no she does as if it never happened oh fantastic it's New York, New York, New York. And she goes to the thing. We have the lady from the First National Blood Bank. And tell us, what is Then we have three dollar bills. Wow. And we're like, we're just sitting there going, oh my God, this is so funny. But, you know, we can't. We can't and like, it was like, it was like this weird sort of Pavlovian response. She comes to me and then she goes, it's Barish from the bar. And then Mr. Lance. <laughs> Thinking, oh my god this is funny but we're just looking at the floor we're all looking at the floor looking at the floor and she closes out the show again and the producer is like <laughs> oh, no. oh no my god and we just sit there in silence and it's like the cameras are rolling and we're just sitting there in silence we're looking at the floor we're going oh my god this is so funny but we're not going to you know we're not going to think and about a minute to go she just goes <laughs> and at that point we're gone at this point the four of us are laughing so hard it's like there's like this thing flash forward it's now five years later 2 a.m i'm in new york city i get a call from a friend of mine in connecticut 2 a.m wakes me up he goes seth i go yeah he goes you will not believe what I'm watching right now. Yeah. <laughs> they ran a rerun of this thing on public access. Oh my God. Can you find a tape of this somewhere? I've, I've never been able to find it. I have no idea. It sounds, it's, I mean, it sounds like it could have been Sasha Baron Cohen or like, I mean, it sounds like it oh. could almost have been on purpose. Oh, no, no. She was, she was very clueless. <laughs> you know, she kind of came in from, where was she, Long Island or something? You know, she kind of came in from the, from the way out and you know she lived in the city she was just kind of but it just oh. sounds like surrealism gold it just sounds fantastic it was surreal. like it was so much that like i feel like if you saw it you wouldn't believe it and i don't i would say it's pretty safe <laughs> to say i'm not exaggerating anything in that story no. so this is your proud this is your proudest work this is this you finally <laughs> answered it's yeah. just it's just <laughs> And it's like in theater, you have a nightmare on stage. You know, Seth has a great story about that. But you, you have this thing like, God, I'm on stage. What do I do? But it's theater because you got, you know, you, there's no cut. But in, you know, TV, maybe they cut all the time. Okay, no, no, forget it. Let's not, but there was, this was not. They just weren't doing it. They weren't going <laughs> to do not, it. Oh, my God. I, really I want to, I, please try to, if you, we have to track that down because yeah. now. Uh, What's very sad is that in 15 years he'll be talking about this show the same way. On some, some other. <laughs> well, my big question is, can we get her on the show? Is the point? I mean, point. <laughs> is, is track it down. I, I wish I could even remember her name. It's like it was like a Fellini movie. I mean, she she was yeah yeah. Wow, it yeah. was so bizarre. It was very fun. Very bizarre. Well, I just I'm so grateful to you for coming. We we haven't even talked about Dan O'Hurley. We can talk about Dan. Uh, uh, I don't want to. We've, take we've, we've scratched the surface of of the movie. I mean, I, there's a shock full of. I didn't finish my. I'm sorry. I didn't finish my story about about Preston. He. I would oh. knock on the. I would knock on the door, and he never was like, "Oh, come on, man, really." I'm, you know, no. He was always like, 
let's go, kid. I'm a theater actor. Let's do it. Good you for know? him. He wow. was a total badass. And Good so, for him. you know, he's always, he smoked about four packs a day, you know, <laughs> and, he, and he, he just, you know, he's always did it. He was always up for it and always, you know, game and stuff like that. And I, I thought, you no, know, I was very grateful to him because he didn't have to do that. You know, he had all sure. of Sure. Oh, of course. Him. Yeah. And I had to like, I had to make sure I nailed every second of every moment, you know, and, you know. Who played the evil uh, villain in that film? Guy from San Francisco, uh, Norman Snow. I think he's from ACT. Oh wow, Norman Snow. Yeah, he has one of my favorite lines in the movie. Oh wait, you mean the 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 young villain or one of the like the alien villain, the Zur, the sort of the guy in the black leather suit with the with the big scepter with the, with the scepter, right? Yeah. The emperor, right? The emperor, yeah. yeah. The head of his army, though, has my favorite line in, in oh, the right. movie, which which you know is coming because this is, is uh, what is it? The line about the uh, we we can't escape the she won't answer the helm. We're locked into the moon's gravitational pull. What do we do? And right as he said it, I said, "We die." <laughs> it's just it's a, one of those great moments where you know it's coming. He was good. He was good, yeah. but. Dana Hurley, he, I mean, uh, is it, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's Dana Hurley. He has Dana. Snake as your co-pilot. Yeah. Uh, who, I mean, interesting, you he'd just done Halloween 3, you had done Halloween 2. Did you talk yeah. about this? You must have come right. up on the set. I don't, you know, I don't, I, you know, I was not, I was so not into horror movies and all, I've made like four of them and I just was never, I've never been into horror movies and, and it just, it's just strange, but I, I just, I don't have a, I'm grateful to the people that like them, you know, especially the ones that I'm in, but I just, I'm not a horror movie guy. Angel Heart. I thought Angel Heart was a good movie, but that's like my favorite horror movie. So you and Dan Hurley, he just agreed not to discuss uh, any of your prior experiences oh we didn't the, agree it just, didn't, it just didn't come up i don't think he i got gotcha. really he did i'm sure he didn't want to talk about it he was um uh you know he was duncan in the scottish play i was very excited about that you know in oh. Orson, no i'm sorry in the film orson wells film he was duncan wow oh that's right okay i remember hearing about like his yeah i know him from you know like robocop and then this movie primarily yeah. They always say it was funny because he he would show up and I didn't really know what he looked like because I would get to the set late. And so I would get there late and he would leave. He'd come before me and leave after me. So I it, it was a long time before I actually saw what he actually looked like. Kind of funny. Was you were probably rude to him in the hotel lobby. Like, <laughs> no, no, we did everything here. <laughs> we did, we, I drove up to Canyon Country from like Brentwood or whatever we were, West LA. Uh, I drove every night on my little Honda Civic. Drove up to the mountains where everybody has their horses. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I know, you, I know you're you're uh, you're vaxxed up and tired. Oh yeah, I'm a little woozy. So make sure you get some some rest. Um, but this has just been such a treat to have you on. Thank I'm you so both. Glad. It was really great to talk to you both and uh, get to meet you, Lance, and see, see you, Seth. Are you vaxxed up? Are you are you ready to go, Seth? Are you? Uh... I'm, yeah, I've had my second vax. Um, I got, second shot was April first, so I'll be. Uh, I, I'm figuring April fifteenth. I'm done. Good, good. And yeah. Lance, was this your was this one and done for you, or you got your second one? Or... No, I have to. I have Moderna, so I got to do it again. Okay. It's, All right. Really. Oof. 
Yeah, I'm I hear it. Now, though. You guys are, you know, you guys are like bringing me back to life. It's good. Oh, good. Oh, <laughs> well, we have, well, we give, now we're doctors too. We're nurses, as we were talking about on the podcast before. <laughs> Anthony, have you had your, have you had your two? I haven't had one yet. I'm, 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 I'm on the, I'm on the computer looking for my slot. Are you where are you? Are you at East Coast or West Coast? I'm in Brooklyn. We're a millionaire in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, he's too yeah, He's not old and decrepit like us, so yeah, we we qualified way ahead of him. Yeah, we opened it up for us about well, I guess about two weeks ago, but uh, it's we've also just been slammed with with uh, teaching this this time of month for us. At pace is really crazy, oh, wow. so our time isn't really our own at the moment. So we can't like drop whatever just to leave to do something because there's rehearsals like one after another. And, and you, you guys, you guys do this particular thing weekly. This, yes, we do this every this is a week. Every week, yeah. Every and and you can see the the incredible production values and preparation that go into it. That's a completely CGI background that Matthew has. This, <laughs> takes, this, this takes well. Actually, this room is starting to look like a warehouse because it's all the supplies for making the prototypes of the booze for this trip that I'm ab about to take cross country with one of my partners johnny apple seeding the booze all the way across the country uh introducing it to bartenders and liquor stores um but uh were you anthony were you part of the, plant, you, oh go ahead i was just saying i used to plant grapes and make wine i went through about like a 10-year period of like everywhere i would go i'd plant grapes i was like a johnny apple seed because california you can plant grapes anywhere you know it's, wow we made well, some wine, I'll, you know. I'll bring you a bottle when I get back to LA. I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back on the West Coast in June. I'll bring you a bottle. All right. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we uh, and and then we we usually try to do. Uh, lately, we've been trying to uh, do a thing where we swing from vine to vine, from movie to movie, where we pick the next movie. So uh, maybe the next one should be Escape from New York. Oh. Can't go Escape. wrong. Right, but I know, I know. I mean, yes, because the this is going to be this is, right. There's the connection with this movie. Oh, for yeah. sure. I mean, that was that was a really fun. I mean, it's you know, it's a it's a B movie, but it's it's a great, it's great. I love. Oh, it. I, I I adore. I've seen it probably thirty times. I adore it, and I'm love a John it. Carpenter nut, so I'd see it any time. It won't be a new watch for me. You've seen it, right, Matthew? I saw it once when it came out, so it'll be okay. An almost new watch for me. Well, if you don't mind, then it's not a new watch for me. I, 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 it's up to you. I, I don't want to make it. I'm, are you kidding me? I, I own it. I will watch it. All right. Great. Then, I adore uh, it. Then uh, that's what we'll be doing next week. I have an Escape um, from New York line, the very last thing, the very last thing in the movie when Centauri comes back to life. And uh, I go, I go, Centauri, I thought you were dead. Wait, that's your, your line? That was my line. Centauri, I thought you were dead. <laughs> And I, and I said that, and I can't remember if it was written or I just said to Nick, can I say that? Because that's what they say to Snake Plissken every time they see him. Plissken! That's right. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, so I, that wasn't a castle line. That was you That was you riffing. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Well, I mean, we, the movie had already been made. You know, Nick had written that early on. Oh, sure. But Or maybe John wrote that line. I'm not sure. But, but, but I just remember saying it. And it was like, oh man, I got it. It's got to be like an Escape from New York reference. I got yeah. it. It's a, it's a moment. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Um, Good to see you guys. A ball to have you on.
and um, and I owe you a bottle. Of, I owe you both a bottle of booze. <laughs> I, I don't even drink, so it's like. Oh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll take his. I'll take Seth. Booze. Oh, yeah. My uh, my wife is uh likes she likes that clear like that clear with the clear uh liquor stuff. All right, then uh, in, in June when I'm back out in L.A., you got a bottle coming to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, definitely. You. I don't make wine anymore, so I I, I have no wine. Oh, uh, that's no, no worries. All right. Had to give it up. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for coming by. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Talk Thank to you, you soon. Seth, I'll see, see you in a couple of weeks. I'll see you in a week and a half. Great. Great. Good. Talk to you soon. Good night, Bye, everybody. Good night. Good night, guys. See ya. Good night. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.